0: Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM 790 The Ticket. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. As over the next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Busy night last night as you had Canelo Alvarez winning the Super Middleweight Championship of the World, beating Rocky Fielding in Madison Square Garden in his MSG debut. Really an easy night's work for Canelo. He was given no resistance back. He dropped Rocky Fielding four times. Really went to the body a lot. Put him down with three body shots. One that eventually stopped the fight. Put him down with one right hand also. uh, Rocky Fielding really just had nothing for Canelo. And no no distance. Look, the only thing that really intrigued you with this fight was just the, the massive height difference between Canelo and Fielding. I mean, if you were look at skill set, if you look at resume, all that stuff, you know, Canelo was going into this thing with a lot of things at his advantage. He was just jumping away class to get another belt, uh, be a little bit of a showcase. This is the first one on his DaZone deal. It was a big night for DAZN, and they busted out the big guns. As they had Canelo there. They showed off Anthony Joshua. You know, really trying to establish themselves as the home of boxing. I will say, as a, as a fan watching it last night, uh, it was the best DAZN broadcast I've watched thus far. Um, with them putting Anthony Joshua on the broadcast for the Tevin Farmer fight, um, overall, just quality of stream was the best it's been in a while. No jumping around As that's been that's been a wild problem I've had for DAZN for a lot of their broadcasts, whether whether it be Bellator, or whether it be for boxing. So, uh, I thought last night, product wise, DAZN did the best job that they've done in a while um broadcast crew did good um all that all that stuff all that stuff and, and everything that that entails um and they, and they put a lot of they put a lot of marketing behind this with the michael buffer ads that were airing during the uh the nfl games as far as oh how to pronounce the zone and all that stuff and you know oh, the pay-per-view is screwed after this you know this is this this was going to be an interesting thing from a business standpoint because they were basically given canelo alvarez for free you know, this is, this has been their big ad campaign. They're giving you the first month for free and see how many people will tune into, to view Canelo Alvarez and and stick around for their boxing product for a little bit that they're going to give you. They had the Bellator card right after that. So if you're a combat fan, uh, it's got all that stuff for you. That's, that's what they're hoping for. But you know, it was also an interesting night because on the other end of things in the Octagon, you had the UFC's era with Fox ending as they're going to make the jump to ESPN and also ESPN plus and, so that's going to have streaming and television and all that stuff. So it's an, it, it's an interesting dynamic as far as the changing of the guard. Uh, we just had the ending of HBO a week ago. Um, so this is going to be an interesting thing to watch as a fight fan and how we consume these things. But, um, but Canelo Alvarez's performance yesterday, you know, he, he looked very good as far as physically. He, 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 he looked, um, looked jack, looked like he was, uh, was back on those, those good cows from Mexico uh he he looked in tremendous shape he really put the work to rocky fielding Uh, I thought they had a good game plan for for an opponent but the real question is like look this was great they had a showcase performance Uh, one thing that happened with this that I think is good for boxing fans you know in the lead-up this week we were talking about what's the next opponent going to be because clearly the next two dates for Canelo are going to be are going to be Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence weekend so they're going to be the first weekend in may and the second weekend in september but what are we going to get as opponents like is this going to be a thing where they're going to just spoon feed him and and just give him guys like the, the big rumor was well it's going to be david lemieux and I, look i like david lemieux he's an entertaining fighter but he shouldn't be fighting for the middleweight championship of the world this is a guy who who, who got beat up by he got beat up by Gennady golovkin He's kind of been to the top. He's He got embarrassed by Billy Joe Saunders. There's really no purpose. Like You can't tell me that this guy is deserving of any shot at the middleweight title. It's, it's just not possible. I don't care what he did against Spike O'Sullivan. He he outweighed him greatly, and you know now he doesn't even make weight for this card. So, I, I, in a way, I, I'm glad that he wasn't able to make this fight weekend because I don't want him really in the mix for the middleweight title. I, I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope that his career – uh goes good places but for right now with the crop that you have at 160 i just don't see the point of it it, it really would just be giving him a fight to get a fight and the one thing that you got to be wary of with this canelo alvarez the zone deal is you don't want it to become the mayweather showtime deal 2.0 and what i mean by that is you know mayweather got to a point where yeah he would give you the home runs every now and then but a lot of the times it was getting filled with just whatever um, you know, not necessarily everybody wanted to see him take on Robert Guerrero or see him take on Marcos Maidana, even those even though the Maidana fight, the first one turned out to be a pretty good one. These weren't the opponents that people were looking forward to. Um the the Andre Bertos to wrap the whole thing up. People wanted to see the Monster Monster fights. They wanted to see him fight the Canelos, and they wanted to see him fight the Manny Pacquiao's and they wanted to see him, you know, often and as much as possible. That was the hope, I think, if you were Showtime, getting those exclusive rights. And with DeZone you you, you sign this massive deal you obviously have to keep him winning if you are golden boy because it's an 11 fight deal now with 10 to go so it's basically a 5 year deal how can you keep this going but you know i, I do believe that for canelo first of all he's he's not undefeated he's already suffered a loss you know he's suffered a loss to floyd mayweather he's he's had a draw now with gennady golovkin and a controversial win so He's also a guy, you know, with Eras Landy Larr. Like, he's not a guy that we haven't seen be infallible in there. This is not a guy that you have to protect and and, and think that, yeah, if he shows chinks, his, his marketability is going to suffer. It's not the case. We've seen that this guy has been in vulnerable fights now. We've seen him in there with good opponents, and his marketability really hasn't changed. He is the most popular fighter on the planet. People like watching Canelo Alvarez fight, he's one of the most recognizable fighters on the planet. Um, he obviously has the nation of Mexico behind him. So what are you really protecting him from when it comes to this deal? Yeah. You can't have them have the doors get blown off of him. but what's going to earn Canelo respect is an all time. Great. That's going to be defending that throne. And there's a lot of guys at middleweight. That'd be exciting to see him fight. And we have this, this crop that's going to come out there now where, you know, first up, it seems like Danny Jacobs is the guy. Um, he has the deal with the zone. He's under Eddie Hearn. It seems like a natural match to make, and makes way more sense than making a David Lemieux fight. You know, I don't understand the idea of having this fight with with a guy in the It's like he's already been to the top. But you want to talk about Danny Jacobs? Danny Jacobs arguably could have been middleweight champion of the world if, if for for those who watched his fight with Triple G. Almost seemed like he got the he got the short end of the stick in that decision because nobody wanted to see the Triple G-Canela fight get ruined. He has an amazing story. He's tough as hell. Brooklyn fighter. You could do that fight again on the East Coast if you wanted to. Of course, you could do it in Vegas. Uh, and it would be an absolute monster. So that fight makes a ton of sense. You got Jamal Charlo, who's going to be fighting next week. Him and his brother are going to be fighting on the first PBC Fox card. Um, if he gets through that and he's impressive, you're talking about probably the most charismatic guy um, who's had devastating, devastating wins before. And so he could go out there, and if he puts forth a good performance, he's stopped three guys in a row. He's got knockout power. And the other thing about that is he he's also got an interim piece to the crown, so you're not losing anything there as far as, well, who is this guy? Um, for me, those are the top two guys right now. The Gennady Golovkin thing, do we do Triple G? Three. I think Triple G3 could use a little time. Now, it can't use too much time because of Gennady's age, but I just think people could use the break of discussing the scorecards, discussing the same storylines. I just think it needs a bit of a breather. I think both guys need to go on their own path a little bit. Maybe if it ultimately ends up with them doing it at super middleweight, if it ends up with them both going to 168 eventually or something like that. Um, because it doesn't, it doesn't appear right now like the size is affecting Canelo too much because of how what a devastating body puncher he is. But again, uh, it seemed like Rocky Fielding was was pretty tailor made for him. If I had my ways, I think I want to see Danny Jacobs next. Um, see where the Charlo, where, where Jamal Charlo is by this summer, and see what kind of victories he can get um, if he gets through his testing. I would mind seeing Billy Joe Saunders back in the mix? But but for right now, look, Canelo Alvarez got a a, a, a squeaky decision against Gennady Golovkin. A fight I thought he won, but plenty of people didn't think that he won against Triple G. And he's never been a guy who has been a ducker. People have given Canelo credit for going to fight the tough guys. He's fought tough guys. But if we're going to be in this position, if you're going to be the middleweight champion of the world and you have all these guys coming for your throne... I can't take too many of these gimmicky jumps up just to go get belts at different weight classes. Like you have, you have a throne to defend and plenty of guys who are coming for it. You know, we saw this a little bit with another DAZN fighter yesterday with Anthony Joshua. And this is the thing with AJ. They had him on the broadcast yesterday and he did a little bit of the media rounds and it was good to see him in America on this side of the pond doing some marketing and 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 finally voicing, you know, one of my frustrations was after the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight is like, well, where is the guy? The whole world is reaction reacting to what happened. Where is the heavyweight champion of the world laying claim to his throne? And from my standpoint, he had a very good performance against Alexander Povetkin. Um, it was it was uh, very impressive, and and he needed it because. His fight against Joe Parker, a little bit lackluster, although, you know, showed some great great boxing skill set. His fight against Carlos Takam, very, very questionable. You know, got a a headbutt to the nose, had a broken nose the entire time. And probably the fight shouldn't really even stop. The the ref really bailed him out for no reason and and stopped that fight for no reason. Not that Takam was going to win, but Takam probably was going to go the distance. Um, So in my mind, you know, in, in my own Stugat's personal record book, I don't feel like to Carlos Tacom got stopped in that fight. I feel like I feel like Anthony Joshua got help from the referee against the last minute opponent. Um so we're going on a little bit since his all time classic win against Vladimir Klitschko. And the problem with that is now that Tyson Fury's back in the mix, that's the man. That's the man who beat the man. So that Klitschko win, though more thrilling and way more memorable than Tyson's win over Vladimir Klitschko, Tyson still beat him first. And so the problem is I really don't know what AJ has on the table that can match what these guys did business-wise. You know, it it, it reportedly did about 325,000 pay-per-view buys. Pretty damn good for two guys who really haven't been on pay-per-view. These are two guys that have uh, basically been on free TV or premium cable for their entire careers and the big knock on Deontay Wilder as well. He's not really known in America. People cared about that. I mean, if you want to talk about today's day and age, 325,000 pay-per-view, pay-per-view buys is, uh, is pretty damn good. It's not it's not Canelo levels, but it's getting harder and harder to get people to pay $75 for a boxing match, uh, especially with all these streaming platforms that are popping up. So, you know, the question has to be asked with AJ, well, what, what can be next for him? I think what's, he's he's going around there and he's touting out, oh, you know, I got this date booked in April over in, in, at Wembley for, for, for Deontay Wilder. I want him to, it's like, look, I get what AJ was saying the last time that he fought. He's like, I'm tired of Americans uh, telling us that we have to go over there. Why shouldn't they come here? But we know that next level money is over here. You know, if he were to do an MGM-type venue over there, it wouldn't do the same gate that it would over here. It it, It wouldn't. Is he, you know, does AJ have a point? Are the fans more passionate? Yes. Is the crop of talent better? Yes. Right now, it is. There's no doubt about that. But I do feel like he lost a bit of the arms race on the buzz of who is heavyweight champ of the world. He's got the belts, but that's all he's got right now. You know, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury gave us one of the all-time classics, a controversial fight, a memorable fight. And they did what AJ didn't. You know, AJ was kind of just sitting by the wayside, being happy with being champ and thought he could bully Deontay Wilder. And Deontay Wilder got this fight with Tyson Fury, a motivated Tyson Fury, an in-shape Tyson Fury, a Tyson Fury looking like he's still in his prime. And... People are kind of forgetting about AJ. And if you had to say, well, what heavyweight fight do you want to see next, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua, I think you'd have a pretty hard time getting a vast majority of people saying they want to see Deontay versus AJ. I just think that AJ is kind of on the outside looking in right now. Now, it's not to say he can't get back, um, but he's got to go do something dominant. He's He's got to continue to do what he did against Pavetkin to show that he's this unstoppable force he can't have many more like he did against joe parker or carlos to he has to show that he is unstoppable um so if i had to guess if i had to take out my crystal ball and say what i think is probably going to be next Jarrell miller big baby miller has a fight coming up in january it's looking like it's going to be against trevor bryan and i'm interested in that fight uh, from a local standpoint you know trevor's a guy who's trained down here um he and Jarrell have gotten into it a little bit before over at the, the heavyweight factory where there's been a little bit of heat there. I think when I am talking to Jarrell, he said they're cool now, but you know, still there is that past heat, which I'd be excited about, and, and, and I know they could tell that story well on DAZN and all that stuff leading into it. But the other thing is Trevor's got a version of the WBA championship of the world, so if Jarrell is looking for a little bit of gold to give him some rub going into it, you know, that's possible as well um to, to get one of these these pieces of the title. You know, but there's guys down here who I'd like to see in the ring with Anthony Joshua. I'd love to see uh, Tyron Spong, who's got a fight coming up next week in Suriname. I'd like to kind of see him get somebody who is going to get him into that conversation because he's got devastating knockout power and it'd be it'd be very interesting to see if he got a couple of fights against some of these characters. Could he really get in the mix? You know, it's cool that he's doing a fight over in his homeland and, and and getting a fight in Suriname but he really needs if he want he's talking about you know being in the slow grind and being in the uh taking the slow so climb to boxing but you know the slow climb is is up like it's it's right there for the picking for a guy like Spong or Jarrell Miller because I do think that AJ needs a dance partner because it feels like what's what's likely going to happen if I had if I had to guess is Deontay and Tyson are going to fight sometime in the spring or summer and you're gonna have AJ fighting in April. So let's say do AJ in May, or do AJ in April, Deontay and Tyson in June, because May is Canelo month. You probably don't want to do that same. You probably don't want to do the same month as Canelo. It's probably a bad, bad pay per view strategy. Um, so if you do one of those months for Deontay and Tyson, then you can set up for. AJ, if he's able to win against Jarrell Miller or whomever, uh, Dillian White, who's going to be fighting, I think next week against uh, Chisora, the winner of that, um, he gets he fights the winner of that, and you know then we could talk about maybe a, a Christmas type matchup or a Thanksgiving type matchup between Deontay Wilder and AJ or Tyson Fury versus AJ, one of those matchups. Uh, I think that's the most likely scenario to play out over these uh over these next few months and what 2019 looks like for the heavyweight division of uh in boxing. When We come back we'll get into a little bit of UFC on Fox. The final UFC on Fox card had a hell of a main event with some ramifications in the best division in mixed martial arts. We'll talk about that next. It's Fighter's Fury on AM 790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighter's Fury here on The Ticket over here with you. Getting the UFC in just a second. I was able to get the the privilege this week of getting to see our boy Shannon the Cannon, two time heavyweight champion of the world. Shannon Briggs was back in the gym this week at a different gym. It was pretty interesting to see. He was uh, he was down at Herman uh, Caesado's gym in Miami. Uh, and if you guys don't know, Herman trains uh, Luis Ortiz, and yeah, Shannon was back in the gym for the first time in a while. He's 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 looking to make a 2019 comeback and i loved it man it was it was great seeing the dude work seeing him back in his element one of the things that's always been cool watching shannon work out uh for, for people who haven't um ever had that experience is the dude is infectious to like everybody who works out in that gym they just like working out around him and that's been one of the cool things seeing him and the social media platform that he puts forth where you know it's all just positive energy it's all just working out it is to to get people's mind right uh people people dig that man people people like seeing people just go after it on instagram these days it really is it's something that um i think i think motivates some people i do think that it uh, it gives just people a little bit of happiness and into some sort of window and seeing him back in the gym working that ass off you know at 47 years old seeing a guy go back to basics being a new element being there with the new trainers new faces guys who are teaching him new stuff guys who are still trying to see him do better this a guy who has been to the mountaintop who has beaten George Foreman for the heavyweight championship of the world? Who still has dreams of of one day becoming champ again? And I think that's what always has to be respected. A lot of these hacks out there who tell guys to retire too early or say that they don't want to see them fight anymore—it's always hard for me to see that. You know, like it's always hard for me to say, like, what are you saying to to to, to a guy's life? Um, it, it, it's always rough. It, it, it's it's a, it's a tough spot for for media to tell guys who who know this one thing that is so hard to make a living in uh where they go and you know to see shannon out there back in it putting a lot of sweat forth i know because i got a big uh big sweaty hug from the dude just soaking half of my shirt because he's he was uh working hard to to get back into shape look this is the one thing you got to say about this um shannon briggs is a guy who made Vladimir Klitschko interesting again. Nobody gave a rat's ass about Vladimir Klitschko until he started chasing him on paddle boards and stealing his pasta and all that. So you know the guy can, can sell interest in a fight. You also know that Tyson Fury backed out of a fight with him. David Hay recently backed out of a fight with him. Uh, Deontay Wilder didn't want part of him. It's, uh, people know that that is a high-risk fight because of a guy who's got more first-round knockouts in heavyweight history than anybody. I mean, that 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 shot that he can give to your body is absolutely devastating, no matter what age that he's in. And the other thing that you have to take solace in if uh, if you want to see this comeback is he's already done it before. You know, he's done this already at 45. He's made the comeback trail before. We know that he knows how to get into shape. And the fact that he's in there in a, in a gym, I do like the fact that he's in a gym with Luis Ortiz, because that's a guy who recently has been actually to the top. He was on the verge of beating Deontay Wilder for the title. So if he is in a gym where Luis Ortiz trains, if he is there with Herman Casado, who's uh, helped a guy get close to the top already, um, I, I think that's, that's a good set of eyes to have on you as you are trying to make this next version of your comeback in your career. So shout out to Shannon. It's good to see him back in the gym. Uh, all the best in this, uh, this next version of the, the 2019 comeback, the 2019 Pi tour. Let's go, champ. Uh, it was fun to watch this week. Uh, moving on to UFC from last night. Texter writes in 67974. Tobes, you see Dan Hooker intentionally sign up for CTE last night because that's what it seemed like he wanted. The guy is made out of flubber. Well, we'll start there. That was the that was the co-main event from last night. It was Edson Barbosa against Dan Hooker, who uh, it seemed initially like, and, and and I think it was Paul Felder who made this point, who's like, I don't understand why you want to get into a kicking match with Edson Barbosa. It Just seems like poor strategy. Edson Barbosa is real life Mortal Combat. The kind of kicks that this guy can throw out there is the stuff of video games. I don't understand it. You know, it, it, look, it's hard to understand anything that these guys are able to do for in that case. But what Edson Barbosa is able to do from a kicking standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. The physics don't add up to it. And so he is, he is just piecing up last night, Dan Hooker, who was super tough. He just wouldn't go away. And so from that standpoint, they kept mentioning this is that, you know, maybe Edson's going to gas out. He puts a lot of movement into a lot of his kicks. Maybe he can catch him. But it just got to a point where he was so accurate with his kicks. He was doing such destructive work to the body and the legs. I thought, I thought for sure if he, if he gave him one more kick to that leg, he was going to topple over like a tree, something that Edson Barbosa has done before. They had a cool thing. They said Edson Barbosa is the only guy in the UFC to stop a fight via leg ki- kick to the leg, kick to the body, and kick to the head he's he's insane um i can't believe that dan hooker was able to go as long as he did yesterday some people were saying i can't believe the corner didn't stop it i quite frankly can't believe the doctor didn't stop it going into round three um and and they forgot his stool at one point you just felt bad for the guy he put forth a, a really gutsy performance the barbosa was absolutely dynamic and really really fantastic and that division is amazing look one hundred and fifty-five is incredible. There's nothing like it right now in combat sports. The UFC division of one hundred and fifty-five pounds. Everybody up there, you could say, looking at Habib, Tony, Conor, Dustin Poirier, Kevin Lee, Edson Barbosa, Al Quinta. I mean, if they're not all championship fighters, if they're not all championship fighters, they're all at, at they're all championship fight level worthy. They are. It, it, it is so good right now as far as the kind of talent this brings forth and it was it was amazing watching Edson Barboza in that fight is he going to get a title shot anytime soon probably not because Khabib beat the holy hell out of him he's lost to Kevin Lee Um, but just watching him fight you know he's dangerous you know that on the right night if he caught somebody the right way he could he could put a lot of pain on somebody it's it's not an easy out, um, so I don't know what what happens next for him. Edson Barboza, he uh, he's 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 kind of the one guy who's ranked high, but I feel like he's a little bit on the outside looking in. And most of these guys are right now looking for the right matchup because they all want to stay in title contend, uh, stay into title contention. Um, you know, but he's lost to Tony Ferguson, he's lost to Khabib, he's lost to Kevin Lee, he's beaten Anthony Pettis, so. He's been in there with a lot of the guys in the top five, six. Um, but either way, you know that this guy can put forth an amazing performance. Now, the big story from yesterday is what happened in the main event. You had Ally Quinta taking on Kevin Lee. This was a, this was a rematch from years ago where Ally Quinta beat Kevin Lee back in 2014. Uh, UFC 169. Kevin Lee was a last-minute replacement. Very, very young at that point um i think he was 19 years old or 20 years old at that point so you know kevin lee was selling this as you know i'm a different fighter now i'm a lot older a lot more seasoned and all those things are true but it is still something when a guy has a win over you what are you really going to bring differently and this is i thought a big fight for kevin lee as far as he has had a little bit he has had the rocket to his back you know he's been able to be in championship fights he has been a main event fighter now in his last four cards. So the UFC sees the value in him. You know, he, he has everything you'd want in a star. Personality, he doesn't have a real weakness to his game. He's a tremendous wrestler. He's good on his feet. But the one thing I was watching, Kevin Lee, and I, was, I came into this, I was like, well, what is his, but what is his calling card? What, what can he, what can he go to and really, really rely on? And as you were watching this fight with Al, you had to say, well, it's obviously, it's his takedown and ground and pound and, and, and hopefully get somebody into a choke if he can. Um, and he got, he got Al down a couple of times and he got very close to, to a choke one round the other time. Not so much. Al's, Al's. Hand fighting and his defense were really, really tremendous. You saw that Matt Serra, that coaching really, really came through for him. You know, but as far as on the feet, I thought Al got the better of that fight by a lot. I thought he got the better of that fight by a lot. And, you know, for Kevin, I just wonder what is going to be the thing that defines him as a guy. I, I think if we look at everybody... In this, you know, you know, Khabib's got the best ground and pound in the division. He's only lost a round in his entire fight career. Tony Ferguson, he's the most well rounded fighter in the best division. He's good on his feet. He comes up with strikes nobody sees coming. His submissions are out of this world. He's good at everything. Conor McGregor, um, you could probably say, is the most dynamic guy on his feet. And you know that he's got devastating knockout power in his left hand that we've seen time in and time out. Dustin Poirier, um, I think Dustin Poirier is willing to probably go through the fire more than anybody in the division. Um, he's he can go through the toughest fights. Very very violent fighter, um, willing to willing to take a, a bunch of shots to give his best back. And he does. He also I think is a guy who's got knockout power in his feet. Edson Barbosa, as we were talking about. He has the best kicking in the division. Uh, Justin Gechi. he's a zombie. He goes for, he goes forward, probably the, the the least technically savvy of all of these guys, but we'll go forth and, and break your will and break your legs and all that stuff until you go down. Um, and ally Quinta, you know we saw yesterday like Al, I think Al's is very underrated on the feet. We've seen that he gave, he gave Khabib trouble on his feet we see that he also has tremendous tremendous will. Uh, he's great defensively. He is able to he he's able to negate a lot of your best stuff. And I don't think he, I think one of the things you could probably say with Al, he's very crafty. Like you don't you don't really see a lot of the stuff he's coming but he hit him with spinning elbows. Uh he's he hit him with nasty uppercuts. He hit him with head kicks. He he really unloaded the arsenal on Kevin Lee. And it didn't feel like Kevin Lee really had that backup like when things were going super bad for him especially around four and five i don't really knew that I, I i don't think he really had a plan b i thought that i thought kevin lee went into this thinking i'm gonna run him over uh, i'm gonna run through him i'm gonna hit him with shots um, but his striking wasn't as good his wrestling wasn't to the point where it, it wasn't better from a standpoint where he was able to uh humiliate him like al's very good wrestling. He trains at a very good camp where guys are great on the ground. So that wasn't an element where Kevin Lee could really put him away. So when this fight ended, you know, the questioning on the scorecards, well, did Kevin Lee get the first three rounds? Maybe. I mean, I, I definitely see the argument for it. None of the judges gave it. I mean, most of the judges gave Al the first, all, all of the judges gave him the first round. I could see it going either way. Um, but I can tell you when I watched the end of that fight, I thought Al was the winner. Like, it was pretty clear. He beat, it didn't seem like Kevin wanted to be in there anymore. He didn't have the gas tank. He didn't have the return fire. He didn't have anything for Al Quinton. And Quintin seemed like his bag of tricks were just opening. Like, Ray Longo told him going into that fourth round, all right, man, it's time to, it's time to go. Let's unload on him. And it seemed like he turned to next gear. He turned another switch. And so now we've seen with Ally Quinton two straight fights where it seems like as the fight's going on, he's getting stronger. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And this is a guy now who's won six out of seven. His only loss is to Khabib Nurmagomedov on a day's notice. That's damn good, man. I don't. I mean, look, maybe the resume is not as impressive with the dudes he's taken out, but hell, he's beaten Jorge Masvidal. He's been a legend in Diego, Diego Sanchez. Joe Lozon is no punk. Ross Pearson is a longtime vet. So he's not taking on bums and he went the distance with Habib and, and Al said it last night. Like, look, I took it like a man. I went on 24 days notice and I went the distance with Habib. Conor McGregor didn't. Conor McGregor didn't have the gas tank. He was looking for a way out. Um, I guess the question really becomes with Al, who's had his own issues with the UFC, what, what is next for him? Because I think Kevin Lee, I wouldn't be surprised. He's, he's, missed, he's had weight problems before. I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Lee is ripe to go to 170, um, a a division that's really getting revitalized, and simply because I think they want to have him be a big time star and kind of get things on the right path. He's young; he's 26 years old. But I just I I don't know what he does right now. You know, he was ranked fourth. He's fought Tony Ferguson. Uh, He's long time said that he wants the Khabib fight, but just not. There's not an argument for it right now he's 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 very in 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 the deepest division in the sport he's very much on the outside looking in and for al you know he made mention of connor and i thought it was it was it wasn't the biggest connor call out in the world that's the one thing that's become a little bit troublesome because nobody wants to be the guy now who calls out connor because it feels so cliche everybody was doing it now everybody's a little bit tepid on calling out connor mcgregor Somebody really needs to be the guy who says, "I want Connor. I want. I want to be the guy. The only guy who really has done that so far uh, of 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 note lately uh, was Poirier. I mean, not Poirier, uh, Cowboy. And I, for whatever reason, doesn't seem like we're going to get that fight. That fight seemed like it made a lot of sense. Um, so what do you do? I mean, does Al fight Poirier next? Perhaps Poirier's kind of stuck out here. Dana said that. You know, ideally, the plan he wants to go is Connor vs. Poirier, the rematch, and Tony versus Khabib. Al said last night that he'd like to fight Tony Ferguson. I just think that Tony Ferguson deserves the title shot next. I don't think Tony needs to have another fight. He went out, he beat Anthony Paz, he beat a top, he beat a top ten guy, he beat him on a on half a leg, and he had his title taken away for no reason. And he might be the one best 155 on the planet. I don't think he needs to go earn a title shot against Khabib. I guess the only reason uh, he would have to do that is if Khabib gets suspended for a very long time. But if that's the case, then I'd like to see Tony fight Connor. And for Connor, if you had if I had to, if I had to pick who I'd rather see Connor fight, him versus Dustin or him versus Al. I'd rather go Al because I've seen him versus Dustin. But I want to see Dustin get a high-profile fight because he deserves it. Like he, This guy's got a winning streak like none other. And so what do you do with him? What do you do with Dustin Poirier at this point? Do you, do you get Nate Diaz back on the horn and try and make that fight happen? Because if he doesn't deserve a title shot right now because it has to go to Tony, he deserves something big. I just don't know what it is. He's just stuck in this no man's land, and he, and it, it, it stinks. So yeah, I mean, ideally Dustin doesn't have to fight a guy like Ali Aquinta because it's a guy who's ranked higher than. But if it's not Connor, I don't really know who it is right now for Dustin. When we come back, we'll get to some of the Bellator action from this past weekend, and also a big time beef between Dana White and Oscar De La Hoya escalates to weird places. That's after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM 790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Tobin here with you. A couple of news and notes as far as the UFC is concerned. Kane Velasquez is reportedly going to make his Octagon return in February on the first ESPN card, which is cool. Last time was the last Fox card, and they did a lot of nostalgia there. Um, he's reportedly going to be fighting Francis Ngannou. I like that fight. That's going to be that's a that's a fun fight. Two titans going at it. I think that's really fun. Uh, also, we wish the best to Dominic Cruz, who had to pull out of a fight with John Lineker. He was supposed to fight at UFC 233, but had to withdraw because of a shoulder injury. They actually scrapped all of UFC 233. They couldn't find a uh, a suitable main event because they decided to move. TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo to the first ESPN Plus card and you know I think they reached out to Tyron Woodley couldn't make that happen um I know that Ben Askren was saying that he'd fight Colby he'd fight uh Kamar Usman but they decided to move him and his fight with Robbie Lawler all the way to UFC 235 so we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for the for the debut of Ben Askren and the thing that's a bummer about that is you know, I, I do think that the sooner the better. This guy gets into the mix uh, and brings a little bit more blood to the to the new blood to the welterweight division. The better I really, really do. So that's something we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for. Uh, we're a couple weeks out from John Jones's return against Alexander Gustafsson. We'll get into more of a uh, preview of that next week as we uh, we await the return of the goat and one of the best fights that we've had in a long time. That was uh, that was really crazy. This one I found funny though. Um, so Usada had to come out. Speaking of heavyweights, they had to come out and say that there was a technical glitch that messed up the number of fights, uh, the number of tests, rather, that Brock Lesnar has had since he's been in the testing pool, which isn't suspicious at all. I mean, look, out of everybody, everybody's tests seem to be just on the level. But when it comes to Brock Lesnar, who is just an absolute juiced up gorilla. It comes to him, ah, glitch. I don't know what to tell you. Like, no, no, you can't. Look, I he can't be the guy you screw up. And so, quite frankly, six, that's it? Six tests? Why is it did 60 tests? If you want to make sure the guy's actually clean. Look, if we all want to go out here and we want to just say, hey, Brock, go as juicy goes as you want. Fine. That's fine. I'm not going to complain about that. I want the guy to make the... uh make the ring, and I think Daniel Cormier beats him with, with, with as much H.J. slathering out of his pores than ever. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, you know Daniel is gonna walk into that into that octagon with a big donut belly, and he's gonna, he's gonna put Brock Lesnar on his ass no matter what. I don't care how many abs that he's got. But, if you're gonna do it, can we amaze, at least make it look somewhat legit and look like it's on the level somewhat, because it's already fishy? There's already a technical glitch with Brock Lesnar? Come on! What what, what are we talking about here? That's crazy to me, man. So there's that, and I I just I found it wildly frustrating. Now Bellator, Bellator, it's uh this past weekend we had Michael Chandler had a double card, but the uh, the headlines were Michael Chandler he was taking on Brent Primus and this was for the lightweight championship of the world. Primus won. If you guys don't recall, it was at MSG. Primus hit Michael Chandler's leg. His uh, his his ankle kind of rubberized. Uh, it was some nerve damage and, and couldn't get back standing. And they ended up forgetting Michael Chandler's stool. Had to stop the fight. Primus ends up winning the title. But this next fight, we've been waiting forever for it. Mike's already had two fights in the in-between. And Primus has had injuries, he had a kid, he had uh, some contractual issues. But we finally got this fight to happen. And a decent fight. First couple rounds were interesting. You know, Michael Chandler sat down Primus. And then pretty much every round ended up with Michael Chandler having Brent Primus on the ground and him punching him in the face. There was a moment in the second round where Primus clipped him, almost got the rear naked choke. Michael reversed it, ended up on top. um I think that round probably should have gone to Primus all all the judges gave it ended up giving it to Michael Chandler. um I think Primus should have gotten that one, but for the most part, from that's that standpoint, he really didn't want to be on the feet with Primus um and just took him down and 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 ground and pounded his way to get his title. Not the most exciting fight in the world for Michael Chandler, and you know, talking about the one fifty five division, I agreed with michael chandler's decision to go back to bellator because 155 is such a such a cluster right now in the ufc he has to fight in the ufc he's too good he's been to the top too much in bellator he's beaten a former ufc champ in bellator before and eddie alvarez it has to happen they have to make that fight happen uh they have to make his jump to ufc happen but I I did think it made sense. Go get your throne back. Go. I think it's better to go into the UFC as the Bellator champion than it is to just go as Michael Chandler, former Bellator champion. I understood why he wanted to go back, but I don't think there has to be many more. Do one more against Pitbull if you want to, but that move has to happen soon for Michael Chandler Um, because it it does feel a little bit like everything's been done. You win, you win the Bellator championship three times. I, I, what else has to be said you you've 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 really risen to the top everywhere you can there so just food for thought You also had uh Alima lay McFarland yesterday she beat valerie, valerie letourneau via third round triangle choke i didn't catch this fight last night it was late i was into the canelo fight but she got the uh the big welcome in hawaii U- bellator beat ufc to the punches as far as uh doing cards in hawaii and she beat valerie via triangle choke in the third round so she retains her title cool for her uh, you text the show six seven nine seven four on the Nunia's Law text line. Uh somebody texted in Kevin Lee got his ass tuned up, really impressed by Aya stand up. Uh ever since the spinning back fist in the second round he was shook and Kevin Lee was walking into Aya straight all night. It, they just seemed confused. Like I just felt like Kevin Lee didn't go into that. I, I felt like he thought he was gonna steamroll ow I, I really do. Like he, he came into the ring very, very confident. You saw him dancing. You saw him singing to the ring and whatever. People come to the ring in, in different ways. But he really rested on the fact that I'm a much different fighter now. But it didn't feel like we saw any new bag of tricks as far as what Kevin Lee was unveiling. He he, he kind of seemed same old, same old. I didn't I didn't feel like he's looked like a, a vastly different fighter going into this ally I went to fight. And... I think once he realized that Al wasn't going to be an easy out on the takedowns, I didn't really feel like he had a plan C from there. Like plan a, all right, let's see how this goes on the feet. Plan B was the takedowns. Um, He beat on him pretty good on the ground, but you know, wasn't able to get the finish there. And, and Al was very good. He didn't, he didn't even keep going to the well there. And and some of that has to do with how good Al was on the feet. But to me, um, I think Al showed himself to be a much better fighter last night. I, I really do. And, and at least a fighter that he seemed like he had a next year. It felt like Kevin Lee kind of stormed out of the gates very, very fast, and the decline was very noticeable. And that's, in the fights that he's lost, that's been very noticeable. I know he had staph infection for the Tony Ferguson fight, and, and he was sick, but he's to to, to to continue to go, to continue to have something um to be your bread and butter it it really uh it was noticeable that 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 once he got some pushback from from Al didn't feel like he won and i agree with the texter uh, another texter writes that everybody's super excited for Askrin lol that dude is boring as bleep he doesn't have the most exciting style in the world that's for sure but i will say look Neither does the champ right now. Like, Khabib has one of the most bo- boring styles there is right now. He he gets on top of you. He smish. He smish on the face. Um, I think that's part of the appeal, though. There are there are some guys who are so good at the takedown and the ground and pound. Um, it, it, there's a tenseness watching them. Damian Mai is like this. Damian Mai is not very exciting to watch. But there is a great tense, uh, tense, tensity, tenseness, whatever there's a, there's a there's a great angst in watching him fight because you want to see if the striker can once once Damian gets his hands on you can the striker withstand that can he stay without getting submitted um so there is some tension that goes there but Ben is very charismatic and I do think that that always helps you know even with him not having an exciting style um I do think that he is—he's a good gatekeeper. He calls a lot of guys out on their their uh, their BS, and I, I think that's good to have here. But look, that that entire division is stacked with very good wrestlers. One seventy between Usman, between Colby, between Askren, between Tyron. like they have a lot of guys who are very, very good wrestlers. So it maybe not—it doesn't necessarily make for the most exciting division, like maybe one fifty-five is, but. I think, that, um, I think that Ben adds a personality. The other thing that I think is fun with Ben is he's got a bit of an underground to him. You know that the UFC really didn't want him for the longest time. He's still not talked to Dana White. Uh, so I, I, I think there's other things that, that make him interesting, if not just his fight style. I, I, I will grant you, like, yeah, it's not the most dynamic fight style in the world. It's nothing you haven't seen before, but there are other elements to Ben Askren that I think are fun. And I think his rivalry with Dana White is one of them. And speaking of rivalries with Dana White, Oscar De La Hoya versus Dana White continues to escalate to weird portions. Uh, Dana was doing the rounds this week um, on ESPN, and he was saying that he wants to debate Oscar De La Hoya on the first take. All right. He, uh, because, you know, they keep bringing up the, the Chuck Liddell thing and how Dana treats fighters and all that stuff. And all right. Oscar gets on the Luke Thomas show on Sirius XM and he just says, let's just fight. Let's just fight three round fight, three round boxing match. Um, <clears throat> three round boxing match on the Canelo undercard Cinco de Mayo. I just got to say, look, it's not going to happen, but I will say it is a, it is a thing there with Oscar. where was just like, all right, man, like, if we're going to just keep doing this talk, if we're going to just go back and forth, let's just fight. Let's just do it already. And from my standpoint, Dana's going to have to back down there because you're not going to box Oscar De La Hoya. Because if you do box Oscar De La Hoya, you're going to get killed. This can't be, this can't be forgotten. Like, I don't care how many, you know, kitchen utensils Oscar De La Hoya's into or what kind, of, what kind of bag of tricks that he's into um, or what he's putting up his nose or any of that stuff. This guy's a champion boxer. He's one, of, he's, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. Dana White is not. Dana White's just a, a, a rich dude who's in the fight game and is great at promoting fights. But he's not a fighter. However, if you're going to talk all that mess, if you're going to talk a lot of junk about a guy's drug use, how weird he is, all the problems that he's got, all the vices that he's been through, and the guy's then going to show you, all right, man, Let's let's see who the real alpha is. What do you do if that same Like, Clearly, they're not going to have a sanctioned fight because no one's going to sanction Dana White to fight, although they did sanction Chuck Liddell. But at that same what do you do if you're Dana White? What is the response to this? Is it just to call Oscar De La Hoya a, a, a coquette a weirdo again? Kind of been to that well. We've seen it. So Oscar De La Hoya kind of threw down his ace of spades there. That'll be That'll be fun to see what the response is uh, from both of these dudes. Everybody have a great rest of your weekend. Aquanorth pregame show is up next. The guys will get you ready for Dolphins and Vikings. We will talk to you guys same time, same place next week, Sundays at 9 a.m. Fighters Fury.